as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. What happened to all the playoff sports? What's up, everybody? It is another off-season edition of the Top Pair Podcast. I am your host. It is Eric Weinstein. And with me, as always, residing in Charlotte, North Carolina, is Nick Maxwell, the draft expert. Nick, what's going on? Nothing much, man. Finalized my notes over the weekend. Had a decent little party on the on the 3rd, 3rd of July, I guess. Yeah, it's got to be the 3rd. Uh, you know, how was your weekend? Weekend was good. Uh, it was the weekend of golf. I played a ton of golf this weekend. I haven't gotten any better. I don't seem to be getting any better, but nobody has more fun drinking on a golf course than me. So, yeah. very enjoyable. Minded. I'm too weak-minded to play that sport. That sport would just, I would just be a mentally, like, melted man. I don't know why I play. I, I never have fun. I don't know why I play. I'm, I have no <laughs> fun playing golf, but... I continue to play. Um, if anybody who's played with me can vouch for that, that I have no fun while I'm playing golf. Um, but anyway, uh, the weekend was good. Hope everybody enjoyed their 4th of July weekend. Um, in the meantime, and in the between time, we're going to talk a little NHL draft. Uh, we're recording Tuesday night at 7.15. Um, the draft is going to take place on Thursday. I believe the first round is going to be on ESPN+. Plus. I think ESPN is the first round, and then ESPN Plus has the That's what it is. Yeah. rest of the draft. Yeah, ESPN Friday. Plus has the rest of the draft, um, which could be a slog, so I'm not surprised that it's on uh, ESPN Plus, but the first round is going to be on ESPN. I think it's 7 o'clock Thursday. Um, but before we get to that, before we get through everything, I'm going to go over, of course, the housekeeping, where you can find us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Amazon Music, CastBox, Pocket Cast, Radio Boom, Stitcher, Audio Boom, SoundCloud. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TopPair underscore pod. as at TopPair underscore pod. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Eric Weinstein. Two C's, two N's, Nicholas. Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Maxwell01 or on Instagram at Nick J. Maxwell. Beautiful. Alrighty, so we are here. It is We're going to go through Nick Maxwell's big board as we, we've done the past two years. Um, we're going to go through who Nick has in his... In his top 10, we're going to go 10 down to 1. That's That was a decision made prior to recording. 10 down to 1, so we might as well jump right into it. Nick, your 10th overall prospect, right winger out of Jagarden in the Swedish U-20, is Jonathan Lekaramaki. Yep, Jonathan Lekaramaki. It was a tough year for the Swedes. Uh, spoiler, he's my only Swede in my top 10. Yeah, it's rough. Um, but... I think could be a steal, I think, in the later half of the top 10, or maybe I've seen him slide as low as 15, 16. I think he would be a great pickup for somebody there. But right off the bat, best shot in the draft. Um, it doesn't take long to figure this dude out. He basically gets the Ovechkin treatment on the power play, both from his own team and obviously the other team, where he literally just parks himself on his own island. He has a huge windup and an even more explosive shot and a release off the point. From the day that he steps into the NHL, he's going to probably have a team have the power play run through him. Um, but I think even more, there's more to his game than what I was expecting. I think he's a really underrated passer, and I think he has really underrated vision. Um, and I, when I expected to see his initial scouting report and when I started breaking down a lot of his tape, I expected him to be a little bit more of a puck hog. And I, and I think that was a completely false narrative that I'm happy that he busted. Um 
you know, and I, and I think this guy is going to be, if he's not a first liner, he's going to be one of the best second line players, maybe like a Nikolai Ehlers in the, in the league. But um, I think for him, what's kind of holding him back right now is that his skating is pretty average for an 18 year old. I don't think he's going to be able to really day one year one, be able to make a lot of individual plays for himself that include a lot of skating and a lot of zone entry on the power play. Um, and I think with a lot of kids at 18, obviously his, his physical nature too. He's not a very big guy. He's only about a hundred and I would say 70 pounds. I think I saw a guy put said 180 and then I thought there was no way he's, I'm looking he's at TSN right now. TSN right now has him at five ten and a half, one seventy one, 171 and he's not 18 yet. He'll be 18 on yeah. July 24th. Yes. That's, that's another thing that's really important too. He's one of the younger players in his draft. So again, we're talking about all upside here. And I think that even goes to just overall physically getting himself better. I think he's probably two years away from being in the NHL full time. Um, you know, for all these prospects, I'll have you know obviously my best style comparison is I'll say to him he seems he screams sort of Phil Kessel to me. Like that guy, he's got that lethal release, that lethal shot. He has the confidence to shoot from anywhere because he thinks he can score from anywhere, and sometimes he does. Um, but I think. Like Phil Kessel, he's a really great player, um, but he might never be the guy to lead a, the lead a Stanley Cup Finals team, but I still think he will be a great pickup for somebody at the number 10 spot. And Craig Button of TSN, I ha- he's kind of like my go-to mock draft, I feel like not just me, like the go-to mock draft guy in hockey. He has him falling to eight to the Detroit Red Wings. And his NHL comparable is, stop me if you've heard this guy's name before, David Posternock. Might be a little lofty, but yeah, I mean, with I could see where he. I think he's looking at kind of the the not overly wow skating, but still just that release factor of always being that power play specialist and that ability to score from anywhere. The lethal scoring touch is the key there. That's Jonathan Lekaramaki, your tenth ranked po- prospect. At your number nine ranked prospect, he played for the Saginaw Spirit of the OHL. Defenseman Pav- Pavel. Mintyakov, six one and a half, one hundred ninety four pounds. I, that was a really good pronunciation by you. I, I, I messed I up the I messed up the first name, which is the easier of the two, because <laughs> I think I was so nervous about the last name. All right, tell me All about right, him. So, um, he's Pavel Mintyakov, uh, one of the guys who was really impacted by COVID, having his entire twenty twenty one season wiped out. Um. It really didn't seem to hurt him that much, though. I think for a D-man, even in that league, he put up a really good amount of points. Um, He's a dynamic skater. He's one of the best in the class. He loves to push the pace. Like a lot of Russian players, he wants to get up and go with the puck. Um, You see the way that they build guys like Ivan Provorov. You know, I mean, a lot of these Russian defensemen now, like even Dmitry Orlov, people like that, he wants to get up. He wants to... He wants to be that one-man transition player, both either with his skating or with his passing. Um, and I think that is going to be really salivating to a team that wants to get more explosive and wants to get more up-tempo, especially from their back end. In terms of his shooting, it's a really heavy shot. I will say there were a couple times it was really wild. Um, breaking down, there's a lot of mechanical stuff that I think he can do to even improve his shot. But you can see he... Has never really worked with a skills coach before. He's somebody who just uses his raw physical ability to just really power the puck through players and through trying through through the goaltender. Um, in terms of the negative stuff, I just there's a lot of really bad 
this bad discipline and bad decision making at times. And he's going to need a coach that can really rein that in emotionally. Um, he showed to be a player that it's not that hard to get under his skin. So playing against certain players in this league, a la Matthew Kachuk, Brad Marchand, that's going to be a challenge for the him. The shit talkers, um, basically. Yeah. Just, yeah. He gets he gets sucked into that. And I think, you know, again, I hate picking apart 18-year-olds because these guys are already, A, so much better than me, and, two, like, you, it's – there's always room for growth and everything. They're just kids. Um, Hashtag, they're just kids. Yeah. It's just, that's that that sometimes comes along with emotional maturity, right? And just getting that experience to play, to play against. Um, as far as a draft comparison, he reminded me a lot of P.K. Subban. He mm. wants to be that dynamic guy. He's, he's certainly one of those players that's not afraid of the limelight. And I feel like after he gets more comfortable speaking English, I think will be a lot of fun in post-game press conferences and things like that. So... I look at him again, you know, is he going to be that number one centerman? No, but I certainly think he's going to be a guy that you can certainly use to sell a lot of tickets and put on a lot of billboards. And Craig Button has him going 12 to the Columbus Blue Jackets, um, a team that definitely needs help on defense for sure. Um, And they have his comparison as Cam Fowler, another offensive defenseman. So. That sounds yeah, good. I can see that. Yeah, that's, I, that's probably a good comparison for him, too. It's just that skating and his vision, I think, really make him, to me, you know, he hasn't rated at 12th, but to me, make him a top 10 prospect in this draft. Listen, this has been maybe the most, like, everywhere, for lack of a better term, draft. Uh, like, in every mock draft I'm reading, ev- everyone has somewhere, somebody yeah. else. I, I, think, I think that people, I think this is the class that by far has been affected most by the pandemic because they all missed out on a really, really important um, evaluation year in terms of getting either physically stronger or just taking steps with obviously their junior teams or their pro teams, their junior or college teams or whatever um, to just make really finesse and fine tune a lot of their game. Yeah. And that's, we'll probably see that here. I mean that you mentioned, I, I don't know if you mentioned it on air or off air. I don't remember. You said that you could see a lot of these guys, you know, that go in the later of the first round or early, even early second round, you know, you could see them, those guys end up being the star because there's just not a lot of tape on a lot of these guys. They didn't play a lot. So it could, you know, you never know. So that's that's kind of why I like this draft. It's it's all over the place, which is good. That means there's there's a lot of good players and nobody is really 100% sure as to where everybody's going to go. Keeps it interesting. Because yeah. when you know who's going this pick, that pick, it's like, why am I even watching? So at least yeah. it'll be entertaining to watch. Um, okay, that was that was the most I'm going to speak um, for probably the entire podcast. Um, all right, your eighth-ranked prospect, a defenseman out of the Czech Republic, because I can't pronounce the team you played for, uh, 6'3", 189 pounds, David Yerichek. Yep, it's David Yerichek. First thing I put on my notes, grown-ass man. Nice notes on a legal Thanks. pad. Yeah. You ever hear of a computer? I can't, I can't type I can't type and watch. I was gonna say, you ever hear of a computer? Like <laughs> yeah. Notes app, baby. It's a beautiful thing. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Um six three two twenty. That's the first thing I Large noticed boy. about this guy. Like probably the most I don't know if he's the most pro ready in terms of his game, but he's the most pro ready in terms of just overall physicality and ready to handle the burden of an eighty two game NHL season. Um, his strength is his vision and his ability to read the play. 
he does not look like an 18-year-old playing against 25, 30-year-old grown men out there. Um, and he's just, you could see it too, number one in his shot. Just an absolute hammer of a release. I think we will see this guy very quickly in the league at the hardest shot competition. Um, I look the way that he can lead the charge from the back end. He's not afraid to have the puck on his stick like sometimes um, younger players are. And he seems to have a lot of trust from his both his club and his international teams, which is very rare for these Eastern European countries. You have to be a special type of player to have that level of trust because they want you to go through just a natural process of learning how to play. And as some guys I'll talk about more who aren't getting maybe as much of that chance as possible. Um, in terms of the negative stuff, his stride is very ugly and very inefficient. Yes. There's going to be a lot of work that needs to be done on that back end. The best thing for this kid is to get a team that is more willing to be give him two years to really become a more efficient hockey player in terms of his stride and his skating. Um, I think also with that, it comes along like he might not have a great first or second year in the league. It's just one of those things where it just takes man hours to really apply in those new habits and stuff like that. But I do think this guy has the potential to be a number one D-man and be an absolute shutdown D-man. Maybe not somebody who's going to win a Norris someday because he won't put up the points, but as somebody who you will say, all right, that's the top line. We are putting this guy out there every single time in that matchup. Um, and for that reason, I put down somebody who he really reminds me of is Jeff Petrie. Um, I think, obviously, he big dude, physically strong, can handle any type of matchup, and Jeff Petrie, I think, is a great story for him to learn from, too, because he's somebody who, drafted by Edmonton, had a really bad start to his career, not because of just him, but because of also the, the situations that his team put him in. And then when he finally got to Montreal, he was able to reset his career. And a lot of people have this guy ranked as one of the best shutdown D-men in the league right now. And he is slated, as per Craig Button, he is slated to go fifth to the Philadelphia Flyers. Which is not the best situation, but he would play Which for a guy not like a team Torts. that may not be patient with him. Yeah, who he is going to play for if you know he plays right away as an eighteen-year-old. He's going to play for Tortorella, a demanding guy, um, and his NHL comparison um, is the um, the current Calder Trophy winner, uh, Mo Sider. Just another big body, you know, could be a shutdown guy. Good, uh, good offensively. You know, I think that's a. From what I you're telling me, fair. it's pretty damn I, good. I always try to that he brought some memories back, just like that. For me, I was just trying to give somebody who's a little bit more established yeah, to kind right. of let you know what I think his ceiling is. I think even for most Sider, I think his ceiling is somebody even like a Jay Bolmeister, Chris Pronger type, just an absolute freak and a force in the league. Freak and a force in the league, David Yurichek. I'm going to try to pronounce his team name: P L Z E N. Polzin. Plazen? Sure. It, yeah. It, whatever. It's fine. Um, okay. Moving on from here, check. We're going to move to your – this is your seventh-ranked prospect of the Winnipeg Ice of the WHL, a very creative name for a team that plays in Winnipeg. Not. Um, 5'9", 170 pounds, Matt Savoy, a center. Short King Spring, man. Well, we love it. Short King Summer, baby. <laughs> My guy. Matthew Savoy, um, silkiest hands in the draft Hell by yeah. far, and just an absolute elite vision. Uh, you could see why size has never been a bother to him in terms of getting to this point. I 
fully believe that whether he plays center or wing in the in the NHL, uh, like any team will be happy with adding him as a more dynamic type of forward. Um, he has an underrated shot. I would say my biggest complaint about it, honestly, is that he just doesn't use it enough. I think he's one of those guys. He tries to be a playmaker first, um, and he wants to set up his teammates. And I wish he would be more aggressive going playing more north-south and getting directly to the front of the net. Um, watching him play, the most most of his damage, if it's not on an odd man rush in a three-on-two or two-on-one situation, it's done on the perimeter, which to me would be really, really concerning. But the more that I watched him play from the beginning of the year towards the end of the year, he figured out more that he has to be able to learn how to penetrate on the inside to get to be a big-time scorer and a top-line forward in the NHL. So to me, that concerned me less as we got closer to this process. You know, defensively, look, no one's going to be a 200. Not all these guys are going to be 200-foot players, right? And he loses his, his man in the zone a lot, and he does. And that might end up costing a coach to say, hey, I have to put you on the wing rather than take you through, take you in the middle of the ice, against, especially against other teams' top forward lines. Um, and that's going to be something where he might have a little bit of back and forth early on in his career. And I think it's – for me, I would prefer – I wish he would have went the college route because I think he would have been forced to kind of have that matchup a little bit more instead of dominating in, in Winnipeg. But, I mean, if you're going to get drafted sixth overall, fifth overall or whatever, it's not really that big of a deal. So for him, you know, I had a hard time kind of figuring out, like, what does he, what does he really play like? For me, it was a little bit of, you know, a smaller Joel Erickson act, maybe a little bit of a uh, Nick Suzuki type of forward, you know, quick, uses his vision, but he's an even better skater than somebody like Nick Suzuki. So I think it just makes him really dangerous, but I think he's, and I think he's going to be a really big time piece for a, a team going forward. So. Craig Button compares him to Cam Atkinson, another short king. Um, has him falling to 11 to the San Jose Sharks, who, boy, do they need all the help they can get, and hopefully it's cheap. Um, so I feel like we could probably see Matt Savoy a little earlier than you think because he'll be a cheap contract because, I mean, if you're giving an offseason outlook for the Sharks, it's not looking great. There's a lot of money for a lot of old guys that need to be paid. So you need cheap talent where you can get it, and he sounds like somebody who can fit that mold, slide right in, no problem. Um, I have a feeling him falling to 11 is just that he's small. I feel like from what you're telling me. I mean, it could be the same thing with Cole Caulfield uh, or Marco Rossi. You know, it's – I think it's become less and less of an issue. But I also think, you know, teams aren't quite sure what they have in him yet, whether they're a winger or a center. And that might cause him to drop a few spots. But, I mean, I always say, like, sometimes dropping in this draft could be some of the best things for you, right? It doesn't necessarily cost you a ton of money on your first contract. And having a team that has a plan for you, to me, is all the difference in the world with with how your career is going to go. It's all about that situation, baby. All about the situation. All righty. Next up, your sixth-ranked prospect. Out of JYP and SM Liga, 5'11 and three quarters, 185 pounds, a wing, right winger, 
Joaquim Kamel. Tell me about him. All right. Joaquim Kamel. Um, or Joaquim Kamel. I don't know. Um, Joaquim Kamel. I feel like in this draft, if, if we're going to be looking back on it and say, how the heck did that guy fall, right? Like if we're looking at a, a Cal McCarr type of situation. He's the guy. Right? I think this is the guy. Um, I think he just, his all-around game to me is, is, was surprising. Like I wasn't necessarily sure what I was going to see with him in terms of what, what he was going to do because sometimes with the Finns and how they play and, you know, it, it really depends on their role and their specific team because they, their coaches have so many different styles over there. Um, I, I, he just, you know, his size doesn't necessarily blow you away. He's about 5'11", 176 pounds, you know, but I watch, I, I watched him and he just, his, his, first of all, his shot, right? He, it's kind of like a, it's a, again, like a Phil Kessel, Ovechkin type. It's one of the best releases in this draft. And then you act about, you talk about his stick handling ability and his willingness to do the dirty work too, which I think is going to really improve his draft stock in terms of maybe they bring him right over the AHL, which I think will help accelerate his career. Um, his, his actual one-timer release, it's a little bit like a golf club swing. It can get a little erratic sometimes. But I also love his positioning and everything else that goes along with it. Um, I do think, again, he's a guy who needs to wait a little bit. But I do think he is somebody that, A, can win a Selkie trophy. I think this guy is going to be the future captain of the team. Everybody raves and compares his leadership style to uh, somebody like a Gabe Landeskog type. Um, but I also just love the way that he just, again, positioning his stick handling, his shot. It's just, it makes for an already, it's already at an third line, second line level for an NHL player. And I still think that his floor is among the highest in the draft. Like I instantly think you're getting yourself a player for 10 plus years. If you draft this guy in the top 10, now, whether he rates, you know, as a top line center, as a as a whatever you know type of top twenty ish player, top thirty ish player in the league, that's going to depend on a few things. So number one, I just think he needs to get a little bit of a quick decision making in his head. I think his internal clock plays a lot into the European style of the rink, where he has more time and space to do everything. So I think he is going to have a rough first year whenever he comes over to North America and had to have with that smaller ice rink. Um, and then obviously just finessing on like a lot of his passes and stuff. I think it, it wasn't like he was a bad passer or that he wasn't willing to pass. It was just sometimes he would try to squeeze passes into, into situations and areas where he didn't really have a business doing it. You know, the defenseman has two defensemen have a stick in the lane. You don't need to try and thread the needle there through when you're in the middle of the neutral zone. So it's just. It's, it's almost like not necessarily the physical stuff, it's the mental stuff that he just has to kind of clean up a little bit. And I think that's only going to propel him and make him an absolute stud on the, on the top line. So this is the second prospect we've had compared to David Pasternak by, by Craig Button. I guess Craig, he was feeling a little lazy. He didn't want to find another, another guy to compare him to. Um, he has him going sixth also to the Columbus Blue Jackets. That was that Chicago Blackhawks pick from the Seth Jones trade. Which, you know, 
How's that looking I, right now? I wouldn't be surprised at that just because, I mean, you look at Jarmo Kekalainen, he certainly has a lot of ties into, into Finland and everything else. I think he's going to know more about Joachim Kamel than anybody in this draft. I think if he has the opportunity to do it and passes on him, then he knows something that maybe the rest of us don't. Sure, and he's one of those, he's one of those like, I put him in like the elite GM yeah. area because this is a guy, he, he's the general manager of a team in Columbus, Ohio, where it seems like nobody ever wants to play there. Um, and he, they've been com- fairly competitive over the past 10 or so years. So I think if he knows it and he, he sees this guy and he likes him, he's going to take him and they'll get the most out of him. They typically do in Columbus. They get the most out of guys. And I, and I think I think I forgot to mention, so for just player-style comparison, to me, he had a lot of either a Miko Rantanen or a Gabe Landeskog type of style, right? Like, I think they have, but he's got, like, the intangibles of Landeskog, and he has, like, that physical ability of, you know, Miko Rantanen, both the good and the bad, where I feel like sometimes he disappears a little bit, but sometimes he just puts up these highlight real goals that make you just be like, oh, yeah, that's why that guy was a top-five pick in the draft. Okay, so moving on from Kamel, we have your fifth, right, fifth, right? Yeah, one, two, three, four, five. Yep, your top five now. Your fifth ranked prospect out of Nitra, six feet, hundred ninety nine pound defenseman, Simon Nemich. Your fifth ranked prospect. Simon Nemich. He is part of this new wave of Slovakian players that are starting to emerge with the leadership of Craig Ramsey over there as the head coach of the national team and the development program as well. Um, Simon Nebich, he plays fast, he plays in your face, and he wants to, again, play that downhill style that the Slovaks are starting to transition to. As far as the skating, he's the best skating D-man in the draft, especially when you compare him to other guys like Michikov or Yurchik, I mean, I think those guys are obviously great skaters, but Nemec to me is on a whole different level in terms of just his overall explosiveness, the overall look of his stride, um, how quick his feet are. He can get in and out of tight areas. His escapability behind the net when he has a forechecker on him to me is what sets him apart. Um, he's one of those guys where it's like the puck's on his stick and you know you're not taking it from him. It's just not happening. Uh Again, one-man transition with his passing and his vision and his skating. Like, just get open and he will find you. Um, And with the good of the aggressiveness and the willingness to want the puck and have the puck comes the bad of sometimes taking really poor risks and really bad judgment calls when it comes to trying to make passes of guys that are in dangerous areas, um, trying to, you know, deep the puck through three guys when you're the last D-man back leaving the zone. A lot of those no-nos where he's going to give some coaches heart attacks, right? And I think with certain coaches, a la like a Torts in Columbus, if he sees the way he plays, he's going to like the good. But I feel like if he sees one bad clip where, you know, again, he has a bad turnover or makes a poor read, it's going to drive somebody like Torts nuts. Um, for a player comparison to me, he's, he's just like Quinn Hughes – except even a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger. Um, I think his skating is second to none. His vision is going to make him an absolute force on the power play. You know, he doesn't have the best shot, but I think it's something where as he just gains a little bit more weight and more muscle, it's going to really improve in time. 
Um, I think he's going to be one of these guys that shoots a lot for tips, not necessarily just to score any, in general anyway. But I think he's going to be one of those where I think, you know, your chick is going to be a really good shutdown defenseman. I think Nemec can put up a ton of points and compete for a Norris one day. Yeah, that like it's not like a hard shot, kind of just like an accurate shot. Yeah. Like that reminds me a lot of like Devon Taves. He doesn't yeah. have it's always on net. It, if he doesn't get a tip, it's always right off the goalie. So yeah, and uh, he's and he can, he's really good at you know kind of changing the angle slightly, even if it requires him to take a little bit off the shot just to get the puck through to the net and into a dangerous area. He's not he has he understands that that's not his biggest his biggest strength, right? Like he's not afraid to just do that and you know, help out and just help out jumpstart the offense that way. So I've seen him, I, like I said earlier, there's been a lot of like differentiating between other people's mock drafts. I've seen him cemented in the four spot going to Seattle, um, a top four pick, Simon Nemich. Craig Button, this is my favorite comparison so far, compares him to Noah Dobson of the New York Islanders. <laughs> Guy... Guy who can skate, guy who doesn't have the hardest shot, but it's an accurate shot. Power play cat, uh, quarterback. I mean, everything yeah, you I said. Guess I I tried to you know pick guys that have played you know 120, 160 NHL games for my player comparison. No, I, I get that, and I get that, but this is still my favorite one. <laughs> I'm just whatever. You don't like it? Sorry. Um, okay, moving on from Nemich. Um, maybe the best. The best hockey name in the entire draft, or it's definitely in the top three, uh, a left winger out of the U.S. National Development, sorry, yeah, the U.S. National Development Program, 6'2 and a half, 200 pounds, Cutter Gauthier. Right, Cutter Gauthier. Um, I don't know if it technically is dual citizenship, but I think he was born in Sweden. Um, his father was an American that played overseas there. Uh, in in the Swedish Elite League, um, Cutter Gauthier to me has been the most disrespected prospect in the entire draft. I, for me, the way that I have this whole thing broken down is I think these top three guys are in a class of their own, and then I think Cutter Gauthier is in that next little stanza with Nemec, and then I think it's another drop after that. And I've seen mock drafts that have Gauthier falling all the way to sixteen, which make no sense to me. Um, because he, to me, outside of these top three, is the most pro-ready of any of these prospects. He is built like a pro already, like you said, 6'2", 200 pounds, um, and he plays a full 200-foot game. There is not an aspect of his game where he's not relied on. He not only is, I think, their second-line center, 5-on-5, five five, um, or second-line winger, 5-on-5, five five, but he's also first-unit power play and first-unit penalty kill. Um and a lot of that comes from his just absolute beautiful, amazing skating, his explosive first step, the edge work that he has his ability to really change direction on a dime. Um, you know, I think he's going to be just maybe not, maybe not like a Patrick Kane type, but somebody who it's like you are first line left wing for the next 10, 15 years. And I think the way that he plays in terms of being an all a pro in all these different roles and, and the Swiss Army knife that he has, my two big draft comparisons were Chris Kreider, which my main comparison comes from just the way that he skates, just that amazing explosiveness and straight line speed. Um, and then I also came up with Andre Palat, a guy who had just a phenomenal 
uh, Stanley Cup run this Cha-ching. year was such was such a huge crucial piece for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, I don't know if Cutter Gauthier has the skill to ever lead his team in points, but I certainly can see him as obviously a future captain. Um, like I said, he will play first line penalty kill, first line power play. He can do it all. He can be a shutdown guy if you need him to. He can score a big goal if you need him to. I was really annoyed at the knocks on him were like, well, he didn't even play on the top line for the development program. It's like, yeah, because that has like no context to it at all in terms of you know playing behind some guys that either are going to be first-rounders and top-five picks this year and next year, um, and also just has to do with the fact that when – the important shifts were played in the game. It was Cutter Gauthier out there, right? It wasn't these other guys who are quote-unquote playing in front of him. Yeah, you want to see these guys out there when it really matters. You know, the last couple minutes of a close game, that's when you realize the kind of guy that these guys are. Um, He's fallen to seven on Craig Button's draft to the Ottawa Senators, so he can just grow with that young core that they have there. Um, Boy, would that be fun. Um, and his comparison, from what you told me, the perfect comparison, I think, is Max Pacioretty to him. Yeah. Um, just 200, you know, 200 foot player, a little bit of nasty, um, can score the puck, offense. He's going to kill penalties. He's going to be on the power play. He's going to be effective no matter what line that he's on. Exactly. It just depends on the role that the coach wants him to play in. His, his mark will be on the game when he's out there. It's just a matter of when he's out there. Um, Okay, sticking with the national development team flavor, um, your third overall prospect. This is where we get. This is where it gets good. Um, we have the the top three. Your third prospect, the center, five ten and a half, hundred eighty pounds, Logan Cooley. All right, Logan Cooley. I will say this was my man crush of the draft. We all know last year my man crush of the draft was Brant Clark. I put him number one for that. And Logan Cooley, I had him number one for a short time period on on my whole list here of, of 25 guys that I looked at. But I, I'm splitting hairs here because I really do think any of these three guys really do deserve to be a number one overall pick. Um, number one thing about Logan Cooley, speed and puck handling. He's the one guy who can absolutely just take over a game. Um, and I wish you would sometimes do it more instead of deferring to some of his teammates like a cutter Gauthier. I think the, the national development team program has come leaps and bounds. And I think Logan Cooley is that type of guy that has epitomized everything that they want from him. Um, probably doesn't shoot it as much as he should. I think he's got a really underrated shot. So when you combine speed, puck handling and shooting, um, pretty dangerous first line centerman, if you ask me. Talk about a guy who's going to be can be the face of your franchise for the next ten years. He is also underrated defensively. Um, he's not the biggest dude, but he understands positioning in terms of how to take away the most dangerous areas of the ice, how to defer forwards and other D men to the outside and keep them out of the dangerous area. And he has the size and strength to play with dudes who are going to be bigger than him, a la somebody like a Slavkovsky or somebody else. Um, in terms of his comparison, I. To me, he just looks like Braden Point. Braden Point is that guy, if we all know, that would probably go top two, top three in his draft class if that was done over again. Um, but the way Braden Point can take over games, the way that he can shut down other teams' top lines, the way that he scores big goals in overtime, to me, that is, he just constantly, Logan Cooley constantly reminded me of him. I think, I think Arizona picks third overall this year. 
to me, this is a guy that you can start to rebuild your team around and just have somebody that Clayton Keller can finally work off of um, and really get that team and that franchise going in the right direction. You know how I know you're passionate about something? Is when you start talking with your hands and your microphone moves around. So I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm glad you're happy, but talk to the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I broke my stupid holder. I got to get another one. Oh, my God. It's the worst. The, the, the things we, we go through for the Top Pair podcast. Um, yeah, Arizona, that's uh, – what's his name? Craig Button has him going to Arizona, third overall. Compared him to Sebastian Ajo, um, the good one, not the bad that's, one. Yeah. I think that's another really good comparison, too. I think, again, two-way centerman. I don't think he'll ever be considered the best player in the league by any stretch, but, like, Logan Cooley will be that number one centerman who you just say, I don't care who you're throwing out against me first line because I have this guy and I'm throwing him out against you. You can never have too many guys who make a bunch of all-star teams. They might not be the best guy on the team but or the best guy in the league, but if you're going to make the all-star team six, seven, eight times, like, yeah. you take those guys – it's, it's cool. You don't need to be the best guy in the league. Just yeah. be the best guy on our team. It's fine. Um, okay, so moving on to your number two overall prospect, left winger. It's a large boy. Six foot four, 229 pounds. Yuraj Slavkovsky. Yep. So remember how I said previously that your chick is a grown ass man? I put grown-ass man and then underline three times ass and man because <laughs> this dude has an ass on him. Huge. Like, if you're talking about hockey dump trucks, this dude has a hockey dump truck. He's going to be the spokesperson for Muggsy Jeans, like, yeah. three weeks into his career. Yeah, yeah no doubt about it. <laughs> um, all right, so you're Ice Slavkovsky. So I first heard about him probably a few months ago. Probably a month or two before the Olympics, I would say. Um, and he was somebody who started to rise up the boards a little bit. But it was it, it got to the point where I feel like the hype started to get too high. And now I feel like in the Canadian markets especially, they're starting to beat this dude up way too much. Slavkovsky would deservedly so, could go number one overall in this draft. I don't think he will, but I see what everybody – and from what sounds like from Montreal people are talking about in terms of just his tools and his overall upside might be the highest in this draft, even higher than, than Shane Wright's. Um, I saw some really lazy takes about him being compared to Jesse Pugliarvi, Um, And I say, absolutely not. Number one, because Pugliarvi is somebody who tried to use uh, just escapability to make a lot of his plays where he would kind of just put the puck by somebody and use his first step to kind of create separation. No, Slavkovsky will go right through you if he has to. He is so strong on the board, and his puck possession and his shot, in terms of just being able to release a shot with somebody draped all over him, to me, reminded me a little bit of Yammer Yager. I'm not Ooh. saying he is Yammer Yager. I'm just saying cool. that specific trait in his game reminded me of Yammer Yager. Those are big words. Um, that That's a it, large name. <laughs> like, yep. Carries weight. Yep. And I think the other thing, too, you know, I was reading a lot of the negative reviews about him about only able putting up uh, 10 points and over the course of the season for TPS. You know, again, context matters, right? In TPS, which is the same organization that Capo Caco came out of, right? 
And Kako Kako, if you look at his first year at TPS, he had six points in 16 games. And five of those six points were secondary assists. Was not exactly lighting the world on fire. And then you look at his second year at TPS, and you see the growth, and you see the more opportunities that a player gets. Um, TPS in the, in the Finnish League, like people think teams like the Islanders play really structured defensive hockey. TPS, they have nothing on TPS. TPS came in fourth in their division, right? They scored 40 less goals than the team in front of them and gave up 30 less goals, right? So they are literally trying to win these games 2-1, to 3-2, to two, right? If they get a lead, they're parking the bus. They're that type of team, and they're going to make you chase. And with that comes the fact that you're not going to get a ton of offensive opportunity if you're Slavkovsky, right? And I think the other thing, too, is they were an older team this year. They signed a lot of older imports, which when you're an import and you go over these foreign leagues, you're expected to play 20 to 25 minutes as a forward. You're expected to play 30, 32 minutes a night if you're a defenseman. And what that does is that takes away a lot of his opportunities. So I think it took an opportunity like the Olympics where he plays for a smaller country like Slovakia for him to really say, like, yo, I can be a leader of the team. I can take over the sport. Yes, we know there weren't NHL players over there, and I get that. But to me, it just showed his just really amazing and great upside that this guy has. Again, I do think this guy can be the first overall pick. I don't think he will be. Um, in terms of his rawness, again, his speed and his overall skating needs a good bit of work. Um, his also his neutral zone play is meh. So what that means is, when he's either trying to find a guy to cover in the neutral zone, he gets lost in coverage and he gets lost in no man's land where he's not really attacking the puck carrier or defending one of the open men. I also think he can be a little bit better at when his team does create a turnover, just get up and go. Get up and go in the play. Don't wait for somebody to just give you the puck, be an option, and be an outlet for someone. Um, in terms of his draft comparison, to me, he reminds me a lot of Philip Forsberg. A guy who's just coming off of a 42-42 and season, right? And is, again, another one of these forwards that's about to get paid. paid. I just think, and I think Philip Forsberg is, if he doesn't necessarily get the full value of his, of his skating, if he can, I think he can be an even better version of that. So I just, I love the way that he plays in terms of just, again, he's strong and in your face. Like he's not, he's not going to be afraid to go up against these other NHL men because he has this big body and he's ready for it. Um, it's just going to be a matter of can they give him a year? Can they not rush him? You know, like we've seen with guys like Kako and Lafreniere and, and maybe even Jack Hughes to a little bit of a degree. Um, but I think patience is going to be the ultimate virtue for whoever drafts this guy. And yeah, he's he's been mocked either one or two in everything I've seen. And then Craig Buttons, he's mocked two to the New Jersey Devils who just continue to stockpile these unbelievable young assets. Um, his NHL comparable from Craig Button is Pierre-Luc Dubois, who size-wise, that makes sense. That's another large boy um, and another high draft pick. Um, so Pierre-Luc Dubois is his comparison. Juraj Slavkovsky. I said it better the first time. Um, and your number one, not the consensus number one that everybody expected him to be maybe six months ago, but the number one, as well as Craig Button's number one prospect, a center from the Kingston Frontenacs of the OHL, six foot and a half, uh, 199 pounds, Shane Wright. Uh, 
Yep, it's Shane Wright. Um, he's an elite skater. It's better than any 18-year-old I've ever seen other than Connor McDavid. It's just, it's that good. Um, he has an underrated shot as well. I think this guy can be the absolute full package offensively. I'm not really, I think the ultimate thing that separates him from Slavkovsky is that this guy has such a higher floor um, than Slavkovsky. I think even if he doesn't necessarily mature out to be, you know, uh, a John Tavares or a, I'm thinking of all the guys who've gotten exceptional status, um, a Connor McDavid type. I don't think he necessarily is that type of player, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be a phenomenal player in this league for a long, long time. Um, look, the consistency issues, again, he's one of these players that lost an entire year out to COVID, which was a really important year. Um, I'm not going to really beat him up too much for that. I also just think, number one, his team wasn't really great this year. Uh, and when you relied on to do everything in terms of be the number one centerman, in terms of being the shutdown guy, in terms of being the number one power play guy, and everybody knows who you are, and you know you're going to get everybody shot. Yeah, would I love to see him put 300 points up in 60 games? Yes, but that's just not always how it goes. But I still think his overall projection and what he is, um, to me, you know, two names that I wrote down. Number one, if you've fills out the way that he will be in terms of fulfilling all of his potential, I think he's Patrice Bergeron. I really think he's that good of a 200-foot player. I don't think he'll ever lead the league in points, but he certainly is going to win a shit ton of individual awards and probably some team awards as well. Um, I think if he doesn't win his awards or doesn't fill out his his potential, to me he's still a type of Philip Deneau, a great skater his, whose IQ is off the chart, um, who has a great work ethic and can give headaches to the other team's top top centerman as well. Um, I think, you know, his watching his work ethic, to me, I didn't really have questions about that. I'm not sure if that's scouts trying to just come up with something negative to say about it because as an 18-year-old, you're never supposed to be a perfect prospect. Um, but I think his playmaking ability, when you combine with his underrated shooting and his strong two-way game, to me, he is the consensus number one overall. To me, if on the Montreal Canadiens, taking the hockey part aside, right, and getting into a little bit of the political stuff, if you're Montreal, you can't miss if you draft Slavkovsky, right? Like, you, it's going to be a lot easier to face the press if you pick Shane Wright and he doesn't become the top player in this draft than it is if you don't pick Shane Wright. Like, I just think you're a Canadian team. You had the opportunity to take a Canadian kid who everyone has been buzzing around for these past four or five years. Um, I think you, I think he is the perfect player for them in terms of pairing him with Nick Suzuki as their two centermen for the next however many years. I, I think, you know, if you're Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon, you just say, you know what, who do we think is going to be the best player five years from now? I think it's Shane Wright. I think they think it's Shane Wright. I just don't know if this other noise is just coming from legitimate NHL sources or if it's just kind of noise out there in the Twitter sphere. It's. I feel like it's just a lot of, we have a lot of time to think about this. So we're going to dissect every teeny tiny little minuscule problem that he might have. 
look, in, in, in Montreal, it's, it's a no-brainer to bring in a Canadian kid to be the face of your franchise, I think. And, you know, you could pair him right with the young guys, with Caulfield, with Suzuki. You know, you let him grow with those guys. You know, Montreal's got a, a ways to go here. Um, even though they were a year ago, they were playing for the Stanley Cup. Um, I think they can't miss with either guy. But I think if it's my money, if I'm betting, I think Shane Wright is going to go number one on Thursday. I just, it may, it, I think it makes too much sense. I mean, from, you know, the hockey standpoint, what you said, you know, just the country of Canada, especially Montreal, how they are, the people, the Montreal fans, rather, I think Shane Wright is a, a no brainer to take it one. Yeah, and again, like, how much of this is just players, people in the media? Whenever somebody gets exceptional draft status, they immediately think this guy could be the next Wayne Gretzky, right? Like, that's just what happens when you have to write stories about this guy for three, four years at a time. Um, You know, and I also say, I also caution against that because not every exceptional draft status player has ever worked out. Sean Day, I don't think, has played... 20 NHL games since he was drafted in the first round after being exceptional status. It's just, it's one of those things guys just develop and, and reach their full limit at, at different ages. But I do think Shane Wright is one of those players where, again, he's not McDavid. I also think looking at Connor Bedard, looking ahead to next year, I think Bedard will end up being better than him. But I just think, too, like this guy is just too good to pass up on. Um, I think, again, he had a year screw up because he lost a full year to COVID. So, it's just his skating just wows me. I think he's NHL ready now, um, and I think he's going to help out this Canadian team for a long, long time, especially if you can give him a little bit of an easier, easier matchup to start with, with having Suzuki as the first-line center and having Wright as the second-line center. Right, you can take a little pressure off him immediately by having, you know, play behind an established guy like Nick Suzuki. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, because I mean, your your mock and everybody else's mock that I've seen. I mean, it is all over the place. Um, you could see probably it start to, you know, get a little crazy starting at the fourth pick. I mean, I feel like those top three are kind of set. It'll be one, two, and three at some point. But I'm excited. I mean, I love the NHL draft because just because there's always and there's always a ton of trades. I know a lot of teams are working the phones as well, trying to either get an extra pick or trying to trade a pick to get. Somebody established. Alex DeBrinket is my name to watch. Probably not just my name, but it's probably my main name to watch out of Chicago because you know they want to try to maybe get a first-round pick since they don't have a first-round pick this season. Um, in the Seth Jones trade, of course, as you mentioned before. Um, yikes. When you're trying to rebuild, you don't have a first-round pick. Um, you can see teams trying to move up. You can see teams trying to move back. I mean, it's the NHL draft is one of the crazier drafts because it's. I think it's maybe the most unpredictable out of any of them. Yep, and I always think, too, it's like you spend the last couple months talking about these five, ten guys, maybe 15 guys, depending on the draft year, and it's like, oh, this dude who was drafted 28th overall, you know? Like, he ended up being one of the best players taken in the first round. It's just so much of it has to do with what type of plan the team has for you, how patient they're willing to be. Um, And again, like I said, everybody at 18 is different. Some guys have reached their full limit to their potential some guys are only just scratching the surface so i think it's just it's it's an exciting time because you really just don't know what happens until two three years down the lines with these draft picks but it truly is like a day of hope that every single fan gets for their franchise did you pick the 28th pick on purpose because the sabers have the 28th pick 
Yes, because I've literally all I've been hearing about is what are the Sabres going to do with the twenty eighth overall pick? And it's just like I don't. Can we just get to nine first? You know like, who I don't Craig Button taking a nine? You know who Craig Button has him taking at twenty eighth, don't you? Who's that? Rutger McGrory. Oh God! A lot of a lot of skating we got to fix on that guy. <laughs> well, he's a twenty eighth pick and he's eighteen, so <laughs> you got a lot of time. Um, all right, so that is going to wrap up the. The draft special, um, you can catch the draft again Thursday night. Um, I will be watching. I'm sure Nick will be watching. I'm sure we will be texting back and forth. Nick is most likely going to be working the Top Pair Twitter account because he is the draft expert, Nick Kuyper Jr. Um, Nick, any final thoughts, any prospect that you didn't bring up that you want to just give a quick rundown on? Yeah, I think there's a couple guys that could be drafted either late in the first round or outside the first round. Um, there's another Elias Patterson who, not, the, not that one, but another Swedish player, Elias Pettersson, who I think can be a really dynamic player for another team, um, was once thought to be a top 20 pick, has fallen off because of some injury concerns. Um, there's some other players in terms of former pros in the league that I think will be get a lot of uh, attention as we get closer to this draft. But overall, I think, you know, there's also going to be great names as well, so feel free to follow along for that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm looking at a Jagger Furcus. Not bad. Um, I, I'm, I wanted to bring up this guy because this was a kid who was projected to be a top 10 pick, but there were some health issues that came up. Um, Ivan Miroshenchenko. Yes, that was okay. That I almost I was, that's the Russian name I was looking for, but I yeah. kept going back to the guy that I had number eight on my board, but yes. Again, a, a player who had a high-impact ceiling but had a really bad knee injury um, going into this draft that I think teams have really waited to try and get their medical on him um, and talk to their doctors. So I think this guy could be anywhere on the board from a mid-first-round pick to a fourth-round, fifth-round, depending on what they have uh, what they have in terms of their medical. So he's going to be the ultimate guy who's probably going to be waiting the longest in terms of figuring out where I am, where he's going to go. Yeah, and he was actually recently diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So, you know, before anything, you know, anything even talking about his draft stock, I mean, you, you just want this kid to get healthy, you know, get before, you know, before he even gets back on the ice, you want him ringing that bell, be, you know, beating Ken. It's, it's a shame. This 18-year-old kid worked his whole life to maybe the best day of his life and you know he's got to deal with this you know this illness first and you know we're obviously wishing him the best he seems to be a stud you know when he was playing before he got sick so all the best to him hopefully hoping to hear his name called on thursday i think you know um it's 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 always supposed to be it never is right like you always wanted these kids to kind of draft it but it sucks right the stress of it of you know, you're going somewhere to a city that you've never been. I mean, especially with all these kids that are overseas, you're about to be dropped into a completely different culture, trying to speak into a different language. So, I mean, again, we use the hashtag, they're just kids, right? They are just kids. You know, kids. have patience with these guys that they aren't Connor McDavid year one. Or, you know, it's, it's a process, and I hope these kids figure out a way to enjoy this experience as much as possible. Absolutely. That's the thing, is that you want these guys, you want this to be a night for them to remember. I, Everybody, whenever you hear the interviews for guys like the My Draft story, they talk about how exciting it was to get the call, how exciting it was to put the hat on for the first time, you know, the jersey, take the pictures, you know, it's, you know, it's, this should be an amazing night for these kids. And whether it's Shane Wright, 
Slavkovsky, whoever goes first, you know, it's something they'll never forget. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I know you're looking forward to it. Um, yeah, Thursday night, ESPN. I'll be glued to my television. I'll probably watch the first couple picks at the gym, uh, but I'll have it plugged in on the, on the radio as well so I can hear them announce the pick. Nikki, where are you watching the draft? I'll be watching it on my couch, man. Girlfriend has wine night that night, so I'm going to be all alone, just oh, what? chilling out. I mean, the timing is just unreal. That she did you, did you tell her maybe plan a wine night on Thursday, or did she no, did she, she know? She just she just told me she was like, I'm trying to figure out uh, if we're going to do this Wednesday or Thursday. I was like, Well, Thursday you're closer to Friday, so everyone's going to be in a slightly better mood. I feel like yeah, that's it. Not because <laughs> you want to watch the NHL draft, and she's going to put on like This Is Us or some shit. So that was. That's pretty smart. Not bad. Um, all right, so we're going to get this, you know, we're going to wrap this baby up here. We're going to put a nice little bow on it. Again, keep following along on at top pair underscore pod on Twitter. We're going to be, it'll be Nick. Um, spoiler alert, it's Nick. Is going to be, he's going to be breaking down these draft picks, what he likes, what he doesn't like, any surprises, all that good stuff. Again, you know where to find us. You know, keep following along, baby. We'll be here. I'm Eric. He's Nick. We're your top pair. We'll see you later.